I want people to have an experience that when they come into this organization, we authentically care about them as human beings. We see them for the dynamic, complex person they are. And we do that through putting attention on them. Fundamentally, it's about what does somebody want and how can we help them get it? Instead of somebody coming in and their onboarding is, this is who we are as a company, this is what we need to accomplish, this is everything that you need to do to accomplish that. Also have the conversation, who are you? What do you really want? What are your life goals? What do you want to be accomplishing outside of work? Welcome to the Best Self-Management Podcast. I'm David Hassel. And I'm Shane Metcalf. Me and David have been working together along with our co-founder, Nazar, and all the amazing other people that are a part of 15.5 for the last seven years. And we are not the same people that we were seven years ago. One of the things we're a big stand for is like, how do we actually embrace the whole person and understand that can we support someone in thriving in their whole life? And if we do, then they're probably going to contribute more at work. Your mission is to attract the best talent, retain your high performers, and maximize everyone's potential. Hey, everybody. I am Shane Metcalf. I'm the co-founder and chief culture officer of 15.5. And I'm here with David Hassel, my co-founder, CEO, the original visionary founder of 15.5. I feel so lucky you brought me in on this journey. Welcome to the Best Self-Management Podcast, everybody. All right, let's kick it off. Okay, so we just won a really cool award. And it's an award that I've been actually going after for quite some time, which is that we came in as the number three best place to work for glass doors, great places to work for all companies under 1,000 employees in the U.S. And so we're pretty stoked on this. And we've been maintaining a perfect five-star rating on Glassdoor. And one of the things that I think is pretty extraordinary in what we want to talk about today, which is that we scaled our culture from... We started 2019 at around 70 people, and we're going to end somewhere close to around 210 people. Right. And so we've just about tripled our headcount in less than a year. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they assume that the culture has taken some serious hits. Yeah, that's like the norm. That's yeah, what people norm. expect is that there's going to be chaos and stress and uh, you know a big mess. And I am very happy to say that I think that our culture is actually stronger than it's ever been. And so we want to explore a little bit, how do you successfully scale culture while going through hyper growth? Yeah. And I think this is one of the big issues because I think that we hold it as you can perform as a company, you can really push hard and grow quickly but there's going to be a big cost to the culture. We're demonstrating and we want to be a champion of the idea. You don't have to do that. Yeah, great. Why don't we uh, start with some of the results? So, so Glassdoor ratings is one of them. So we had almost 80 Glassdoor reviews, I, I believe a five-star rating. We did a, an engagement survey recently yep. and we, had the, we actually scored the highest we'd ever scored in that engagement survey after already growing to about 180 people in what, nine months. And so I think it's worth noting that those are some of the things we look at. What else would you say? Or how how do you know the culture is still really strong? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you know by listening to people. Fundamentally, as a leader, if if you want to scale your culture, you need to get good at listening. Mm -hmm. You need to be attuned to the human beings 
inside of your organization because they will tell you everything and then more than you want to know. Right. You know, sometimes being a responsive organization, being a leadership team that actually cares about people's feedback, sometimes it can be a pain in the ass. Sometimes it would be so much simpler to run just a command and control Uh organization. I do not care what the people below me in the hierarchy think. These are my orders. Now go fulfill them. And, you know, it's tempting, but I don't think that's really what we want to be doing. (laughs) And so there's a lot of different ways that you can listen to your people. Mm -hmm. And it fundamentally is about creating feedback loops inside of an organization so that you can ask questions and then listen. And that can happen on the macro level with things like engagement surveys, where you're looking at aggregate data, it's anonymous, it's quantitative, and you can get the big picture of it. But then you also need to be asking questions on the individual level, actually having transparent conversations between managers and employees. One of the practices that I actually picked up from Claude Silver is whenever she goes to one of the offices, she try, she has one-on-ones with every person in that office. Right, and, and share who Claude is. So Claude Silver is the chief heart officer of VaynerMedia, which is Gary Vaynerchuk's media company. And she has 800 people, and she tries to do one-on-ones with every employee. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know, she says her job is to you know tend to the hearts of VaynerMedia. Yeah. And I also love that because it's saying... Oh, hey, you're not a human resource manager. I'm tending to the resources and our most valuable asset of this company. It's like, no, you're actually recognizing that human beings have these things called hearts. And the heart is, while it is a physical organ that does incredible things, it's the most efficient pump that nature has ever designed. You know, it's like every drop of blood circulates through your body every single minute. And it does that on a very small electrical charge, too. It's just, it's a really cool organ. But it also is a metaphor for the emotions, for the feeling states, the internal world of a human being. And so it's about listening to all of those different layers. And you said something before you, I think you intentionally, or maybe not intentionally, used the word responsive as opposed to reactive. So, I mean, obviously, the amount of feedback that you can get as the company scales and grows, right? You can't possibly react to every piece of feedback and take all of it and, and, and make change based on it. And I think that's that's a big fear that a lot of uh, people might have about, well, if I open the floodgates and I start listening, then I'm going to have to do something. So how do you navigate that and guide people to choose to open the door to listen without the fear of being overwhelmed or feeling like they have to react to every single piece of feedback. Yeah, well, I mean, look, you don't have to, you do have to take action. Right. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Organizations are constant change. And if you are not actually in the flow of change, if you aren't acting on feedback ever, it's not going to work. Right. But that's not how you succeed in business anymore. You don't succeed in business by staying still. You need to engage. You need to hear things that are happening and then be able to make quick decisions and act upon it. And I like to think, you know, sometimes it's as simple as like, all right, there's something in the way that needs to get resolved for me. And you can take immediate action, support that person. Like maybe their computer's not working well, or there's something in the office that would help create more cohesion or whatnot. And you can immediately just go on Amazon, buy that thing, Yeah. right? Sometimes it's key themes that you start to listen in on. 
right? We might not be able to take action on every single thing, but if we start to see big themes consistently across the organization, we can then prioritize those things. Yeah, and you know, it's it's, it's interesting because yes to action, it's critical that we take action on our feedback. But I think there's even something deeper, which is having people actually feel listened to. And I think that we usually equate, okay, well, if I take action, then people are going to feel listened to. And that's true a lot of the time. But sometimes it's as simple as listening. You know, one of the principles that has really helped, I think, in building the kind of company that we've built, and that I think that is one of the changes I would like to see in the business world at large, is this idea that our personal relationships have a different set of operating principles than our professional relationships. Right. And that's just bullshit. Like relationship is relationship. And so if you want to get good at business, I think it's imperative you get good at relationship. And so understanding what, and in a way, it's like, it's a great inquiry. It's like, what would it take for me to show up in a way that our people felt listened to? And that's going to be diddle different. You know, humans all have different needs. There's different particularities of how somebody actually drops into that experience of feeling listened to. And we all bring our own baggage to the table. You know, if you have a dynamic because of your childhood where you never feel listened to, you're going to need to start to take accountability that you're actually creating the experience, you're recreating with the people around you the experience of not being listened to. Because you're almost filtering for that. You're looking for it, yeah. right? And you're trying to recreate it. Yeah. And I think on the listening end, I think what people really want in terms of feeling like they're listened to is like that somebody actually cares to listen. So it's like listening with care. We talk a lot about uh, this false choice between high care and high performance. And that we we want to choose both at 15.5. And that's part of the secret sauce is that we can have an organization where we deeply care about the people and you know we also deeply care about performance and we're bringing those two things together. Yeah. So that's part of the puzzle in terms of how we built the company. And of course, listening to people and taking action on feedback is not going to guarantee that you can scale a culture. Right. And so let's talk a little bit around some of the tactical things that we've done around scaling culture. And yeah, I, I like... And one other thing yeah. before we jump in, because I've had this theory for years and years, you know, when we were 10 people, 12 people, 15 people, we would go out and advise companies and we would give talks on culture. We hadn't scaled the culture to hundreds of people at that point. But, you know, what I would say, which intuitively made a lot of sense to me and seemed to resonate with the people we talked about was you have to create an incredibly strong center of gravity. Because if you're going to grow, if you're going to double your headcount, that means you're going to have as many people, if not more, once you get beyond that, than you had previously in whatever period of time, whether that's six months or a year. And so you need people to come in and gravitate toward the center of gravity. Otherwise, it's going to be, think about it, it's like watering something down, right? You're bringing in a lot of new energy, a lot of new people. So you have to have that, that core. And I think that that is actually fundamentally why we've been able to scale is because we built an incredibly strong center of gravity and then brought people into it and along with other you know specific practices we can talk about. Yeah. And it's cool because people come in and I hear this a lot of, oh, wow, I have to relearn how to work. 
I have to decondition myself from a lot of the prior experiences I've had in the professional world where there wasn't psychological safety, where there wasn't radical authenticity. And then it takes it takes a moment to kind of like, wait, is this real? Is everyone full of shit? And, you know, three months in, I'm going to realize that everyone's actually psycho murderers and this is a crazy cult that I've joined. <laughs> and it's really fun at that three-month, six-month, nine-month mark where people are like, wow, it's actually real. I can learn to trust this. I can learn to work in a different way. That's where it's really fun to like read the high fives that come through when people have that realization or they, they're reflecting on you know, the gratitude for the organization and what it's allowed, who it's allowed them to become or, or reading you know, the Glassdoor reviews uh, consistently, these yeah. just incredible experiences that people have had as a result of coming into this kind of environment. And you know, I will say that it, it does take ongoing attention because it's not like we don't have breakdowns. It's not like we have people that have conflict or say stupid things or, you know, uh, don't perform. And what our approach is, is that we want to address those things immediately as they're happening as close to real time as possible. And you need feedback loops. That's why having a culture where you're asking people on a regular basis what's going on and you're listening and you're training your managers to do that as well. And that is when you're going to be able to actually get more information because the the screwed up thing about hierarchy is that it creates this condition where information doesn't flow up. That is one of the greatest consequences of a culture of fear, of a command and control approach to organization is that you you create a downward pressure for truth. If I have somebody above me, I will never be telling the layer of hierarchy above me what's really happening. In a typical fear, command and control model. And so it's a really fucked up thing because the people at the top who are making the strategic decisions about the direction and velocity of the company are disconnected from the truth of what's actually happening. And so the number one thing everyone out there needs to be doing, what you need to do that's listening to this podcast is figure out how do I create high levels of trust and high levels of of vulnerability so that truth can flow through the entire organization more easily. Because truth telling is what is going to set your organization free. Yeah. So let's talk about all those things, the psychological safety, the truth telling, the vulnerability, the, you know, all those things are are attributes of I think the culture we've created and the culture we advocate for if you want to build a world-class workplace. So what are some of the specific things that we did this year? I mean, there are a number of things we had in place already uh, that maybe worked when we were 40 or 50 or you know, 70 people going into the year, and that we scaled now to you know, 190 going on to 210. What are some of the specific things that we did to ensure that was going to be successful? Yeah. Well, so I think that, you know, to start with one of our values, and this isn't actually a core value, but it's more of a, a operating principle, which is that we want people to, well, I guess it isn't one of our values. We want people to be and become their best selves. That's fundamentally, I mean, if we're going to boil our entire philosophy and our purpose for existing, it's we exist to help create world-class workplaces through helping people be and become their best selves. Yes. And that's it. Game over. Mic drop. <laughs> you do that. Figure it out. Come up with your own practices to do that. You are going to win. 
Now, what that means for us is that I want people to have an experience that when they come into this organization, we authentically care about them as human beings. We see them for the dynamic, complex person they are. They're not just a product manager or an engineer or a salesperson. And we do that through putting attention on them, through creating opportunities for them to you know, learn more about their Enneagram profile, to you know, go through a genius profile, to take their Gallup Strengths Finder, to do things and exercises that are going to become these mirrors of what their potential is, what are what do they really want? You know, and this all kind of comes out of, I think, part of our DNA as coaches in this company is that fundamentally it's about what does somebody want and how can we help them get it? And that's a so much of the orientation that we go through with individuals. Instead of somebody coming in and they're onboarding as, this is who we are as a company, this is what we need to accomplish, this is everything that you need to do to accomplish that, very important conversation. Also have the conversation, who are you? What do you really want? What are your life goals? What do you want to be accomplishing outside of work? And obviously, that should be aligned with what the company does. I always love those those stories that you have of you know you sat down with someone who thinks they want to work at fifteen five, and you dig in on that question and realize they shouldn't they shouldn't yeah, be working right, at a company absolutely. like Absolutely, like, <laughs> like get the fuck out of here, go travel the world, you idiot. Right. You know, and I don't call our uh, <laughs> candidates idiots. Um, so often, an interview is two people lying to each other. Of, I'm going to tell you what I think that you want to hear. Right. And I'm going to tell you what I think you want to hear. And that sets everyone up for failure. I mean, bottom line is like when we're not, when we're not telling the truth, we're unlikely to be in integrity with our own values because we're compromising to fit into some other box that's out there. And it's going to be tricky because sometimes we don't really know who we are. We haven't done an enormous amount of self-discovery work. We haven't made enough wrong decisions to realize how bad it feels to live and work in a life and a job that isn't aligned with our values. So part of our job as a company is to, in the interview process, to get real about what people really want and dig and dig and dig. Right. Make sure that alignment's there from the start. That they've actually thought about some of these things. Because so sometimes people don't even, they're not even guided to, to think along those lines. Yeah. Right. They're just going through the motions. And, you know, so uncovering that, making sure there's alignment on what they want, what we as a company need, that we're going to go in partnership together. Right. Seeing our employees as, as partners in this, in building what we're building. And then there's a whole set of onboarding practices. Right, of doing a best self discovery with their manager. Yeah. Well, well, the best self kickoff is really cool. Yep. And the best self kickoff is essentially a two hour meeting that we've designed for every manager and their new hire. And it's an opportunity to sit down and really dig into some of these questions. You know, what's success mean to you in this role? What does success in your life mean? What are your communication styles? How do you like to receive feedback? What do you really hope to get out of this experience? One of my favorite questions is, what will make this the greatest professional experience of your life? And if you are not determined to have 
and create the best professional experience of your life and of your people's lives, what the heck are you doing? You know, life is precious. Let's not waste it working in a way that is not in alignment with our values. And of, of course, that is a privileged possibility. Not everybody on this planet gets to dictate whether they are going to choose work that truly fulfills them. But I do believe that more and more that is available. There are companies sprouting up all over the world that are adopting a people-first mentality of saying, yeah, we will succeed as a company by helping the individuals live great lives. And so, yeah, onboarding is critical because it's going to be setting the tone for their entire experience. And so like having people dive into their strengths right when they start, creating opportunities for them to make immediate impact on the organization, building deep relationships with their peers, creating space for people to get to know each other as human beings, not just the titles. And speaking of that, let's talk about how we introduce people. So every uh, we have three all-hands meetings every week. We've talked about this before. Which some people think, think are, are crazy. crazy. <laughs> They're <laughs> yes. like, we have one all-hands meeting a month. <laughs> or a quarter. Or a quarter. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah. yeah, no, we are very distributed. So we have, we have uh, two big offices, San Francisco and Raleigh, North Carolina. A couple of smaller offices in, in uh, New York City and the Ukraine. And everybody shows up on Zoom. So we have 190 people. Well, you know, that's the crazy shit about this is that it's amazing that we've scaled the culture. Sure. And it doesn't feel like it has been a lot of work because so much of it has been driven by automated process that was already established in the beginning when we were small. And also thanks to the virtual nature of it being semi-distributed, we've always had to prioritize some distributed first process. Yes, exactly. So, you know, we run the company on, you know, Zoom, Zoom, 15.5 and Slack, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, these hubs where people can come and actually interact with each other, you know, if they choose to do that, if they live in that area, right? Yeah. So on, on, the, on our Monday, what we call our boost, after we go through, Shane will lead us through a gratitude meditation or somebody else will for a few minutes. And, and we, we really went into these practices and our podcast around building a positive workplace. Yes. And we go much deeper into why we believe that gratitude and meditation are some of the keys to really creating a thriving culture. Yeah. And so we'll share transparently where we are in terms of our numbers. We'll share about uh, you know our, our OKRs in 15.5 on a company-wide or departmental level. And then uh, we get to introduce people. Well, and... Okay, we'll talk about the introductions, but also like <laughs> the transparency side of things yeah. too is is such a key to why I think that you know we're saying, hey, trust us, share your vulnerabilities with us and with the team, but also we show we're transparent. We reveal, you know, what's going well, what are our challenges as an organization, what are the things that are keeping us up at night, how are our financials. And that generates an enormous amount of trust. I mean, so much of this comes down to trust. You know, we we talk about what we talk about in our board meetings. Every time we do that, people are like, holy crap, I've never heard a company right. share anything from the board meetings. And that's just insane. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, do you want to create a culture where it's like the board meetings are these scary things that happen behind closed doors and it's always going to be about who's going to get fired? You know, because I think that's where people's heads go, sure. and that it's all only about profit. 
certainly scaling our culture has also been influenced by picking the right investors too. I mean, that's a whole other yes, whole other tangent. topic. That's right. Um, okay, so we like to do role and soul introductions, and this is a term I actually picked up from the University of Michigan Center for Positive Organizations. And what it is is when you're introducing somebody to the company when they've just joined. Don't just introduce them as what they're going to do in their work. Help them share a little bit about themselves, the soul, the the human side of them. And so we give everybody two minutes. And sometimes that's really challenging when we have like 14 new hires in a day. (laughs) And we're going to, you know, it'll adapt as we continue to grow. But it's an opportunity for people to share the answers to a couple of basic questions like, what strange hobbies do you keep? Who were your grandparents? What did they do? That's an amazing one. I love when people choose to share on that one because all of a sudden we go from this transactional, time-bound, kind of momentary awareness to, oh, right, this person has an entire ancestral lineage Mm -hmm. and their grandparents were these human beings that, that came of age in a different time in place. And it just brings a more of a macro scope to the whole equation. And just to paint the picture. So, you know, we have a deck where they're presenting for this period of time and there's great pictures and we get to see, you know, photos from their lives and actually get introduced. They get to introduce themselves to the whole company as, you know, a multifaceted human being. And we all get to know who they are and get to know a little bit more besides what you know their title and role might be. We used to do this on their first day or first week. And then we we've evolved that now. So we give people a week to sink in so they're not just getting up on a Zoom call in front of a couple hundred people and because uh, nobody has <laughs> any fear about public speaking right. also. And what's interesting about that is sometimes people are like, oh I don't know, I don't want to really do this. But it's like our promise is not that you're going to be comfortable at 15 5. Yeah. Our promise is we want to help you grow. And so right off the bat, there is kind of a little bit of an experience of that discomfort of like, okay, shit, this is already on my edge. But it, it allows us to capture and presence the humanness of every person that comes into the company. We're humans first, professionals second. If you like what you're hearing and you want to help us spread this message, the best thing that you can do is write a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the 15.5 Best Self-Management Podcast. And if you take a screenshot of that review and email it to podcast at 15.5.com, we'll reply with a code where you can get a free 15.5 t-shirt. They're very comfortable. I wear mine all the time. Want to give a shout out to KKF2 who wrote us a great review on iTunes And they said, I'm hooked, a great way to gain exposure to a fresh perspective that is truly riveting. I was on the search for ideas about improving performance management when I stumbled across an article on best self-management. After reading that article, I was hooked. I then discovered these podcasts and have been listening to them over and over again. The conversations are stimulating, authentic, and inspiring. Loving every bit. KKF2, I am inspired and loving every bit of this review. Thank you so very much. And ProDog, great name, says, This podcast has helped change my way of thinking. As a user of the actual 15.5 product, it's interesting to see the concepts and functionality of it relate directly to what they are talking about. 10 out of 10 recommend. Thanks, ProDog. So what else? Well, I think that 
you know, something that occurs to me, and, and this is just so much credit to the humans of 15.5. And I'm thinking about our people operations team. I'm thinking about our managers. And none of this would be possible if they didn't buy in to this way of doing business where we're going to care for the humans. We're going to actually be committed to each person on our team being and becoming their best selves. I think it extends beyond that. I mean, I, I, it's, a, it's a great point. I mean, the, the, the people ops team at 15.5 has really gone above and beyond in a huge way. I mean, to, to recruit that many people in a short amount of time. And to not just recruit right, I'm thinking a bunch of assholes, and, too. And it's, it's, I mean, the amount of interviews, the amount of contacts with people who were interviewed at 15.5 who didn't get chosen and selected, and to actually get Glassdoor reviews from people who've been declined by 15.5 with a five-star rating, a glowing review about the company and the process, right? So we've, we've kind of taken it beyond just the people we hire, but also all the people we come in contact with. And that requires, a, I think, a higher level of care and integrity than maybe even a lot of companies might assume is worth it. But, it, but we're starting, you know, really to, you know, from end to end. Uh, well, yeah, and it, I mean, it, it does take extra work. And I mean, we, we still screw up. I mean, it's not, sure. not every... Every interview review is positive. Sometimes we drop the ball and it's like, uh, you know, embarrassing. But what's also a really valuable thing to say, hey, I want to leave every person that we interact with better off than when we first connected. And that goes for every SDR and sales rep and CSM, interviewer, recruiter. All of it is saying, hey, can we leave everyone better off? And it's, it's a pretty simple thing, which is respect people. Respect that they are, they showed up, respect and feel honored that they're interested in working here, respect their journey, even if they're not a good fit for this company and for that role, respect them. And it's, you know, it's this crazy thing. Human beings, like when, when we're respected, we feel good. And we're so used to, I think, being, feeling disrespected. Like, you know, the level of positive association with work is generally pretty low. And that's why you can make such a, a impact by building your organization where people start to have some of the best experiences of their life. Like just this morning, one of the ways that we scale intimacy, because I think that, that that is part of the recipe of success for us is scaling intimacy so that you don't just feel like a cog in the machine. You don't feel just anonymous. You don't feel like nobody really knows who you actually are. And that's easy it gets much harder in large groups. And so what you want is you want to create self-organizing small groups where you can still experience intimacy with a group of 10 or 20. And so this morning, we had a uh, our question Friday. So every Friday, we all get on a Zoom call and there's a question master for the month and they ask a question for us to reflect and contemplate on and then everybody goes around. And if we have a lot of people on, we'll do, this is an optional boost, the third of those all-hand company meetings. And everybody goes around and answers. And so this morning was uh, Eddie, Eddie Manny asked, or as he goes, his DJ name, Eddie Money. I'm bringing him out of retirement, by the way. I I asked him this morning on the boost. I was like, Eddie, I hear you're a DJ. He's like, uh, retired. And I'm like, I want to bring you out of retirement for the company retreat in January. <laughs> That's great. And he's like, oh, I don't know, unless you like 90s hip hop. 
And everybody went crazy, like, hell yeah. And so, <laughs> so Eddie, we're really excited for your, your hip hop set. And, but he asked the question, what, what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? And then everybody went around and real quick shared what advice they would give. And it's hilarious. You know, like, don't move in with that guy and <laughs> brush your teeth. And take some financial literacy courses and, you know, study more or don't study so much. Have some fun. Uh-huh. And it's so beautiful because you you really see who people are. It allows you to get curious about people that you think you already know, especially people that I've been working with for seven years. And there's still these new sides to them. There's all these stories that we have not ever told. It's amazing. And, and it's a practice, right? So, you know, as we used to be able to all be able in the same boost, being able to answer these answers. And as we've grown, we, we now have to use breakout rooms, but it still preserves that intimacy with a set of randomness. So you're always talking to a, a new group of people. Yeah. But I think what's, what's amazing about that I see about the, the nature of practice, right? So Gratitude Monday, where we have we talked about Question Friday, we're doing practices around gratitude, around mindfulness, around intimacy. But then we start to see that show up outside of those practices, right? Because it's something that we're cultivating. And uh, you know, there's a gratitude channel on Slack where people sometimes even just post there when it's not even the gratitude on Monday mornings. All the time, people are posting in that all, yeah. all, all like you know, like oh my god, I just my kid got sick and I had to take care of him, and I'm so grateful that we have freedom and flexibility so I can actually go take care of my child. I couldn't have done this at my last company. Exactly, and then it shows up in all the high fives. This this kind of just persistent. The sense of gratitude that we're, you know, we're all vibing off each other in that. And then I also see that in terms of the intimacy. Uh, one of the things that because we've kind of made this a, a practice and we do things like table questions, which are kind of like question Friday live when we have meals, yep. we start to see this spontaneously happen throughout the organization. When people just go out with a group of 15 fivers, they might do a table question or, or we see what happens when, you know, a, a department goes on a retreat and then they come back and share all this incredible stuff on Slack about how they've created their own set of values and all the, the intimacy practices they did to create connection on the, yeah. on the retreat. And yeah. it's just spontaneously happening. And you know, it's, it's, it's like uh, really satisfying for me because I've always been pushing these kinds of interpersonal, single conversation, authentic relating games in my whole life. And like my friends, you know, they, it's, it's always a crapshoot of how much resistance you're going to get when you're like, hey, uh, you know, you're at a restaurant, you're like, hey guys, uh, how about a table question? People are like, oh, God damn it, Shane. Like, <laughs> like, why you always got to be pushing that edge, you know? And even to this day, I still get some more resistance from my like crazy hippie friends outside of work when I play these kinds of things and suggest them than I do internally at 15.5. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool that everyone is on board for this interpersonal playground where people are down to have real conversations. Because I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Like when you, when you get a taste of that relative to just kind of small talk, it piques your curiosity. You want to know more about people. And I think that is part of the secret sauce about, you know, we're really getting to know one another in a, uh, a context of care while also having really, really high standards for high performance. We are in, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, like, Performance is critical for for this company. Yeah, we're we're we aren't running a charity. We're not. We don't just pay people to develop themselves. We have an insanely ambitious business that's doing really well too. Okay, so 
I'd love to hear from you, David. What do you think has been, you know, aside from the things we've already talked about, yeah. how have we scaled culture at the leadership level? Because, you know, our, we certainly believe that as the leadership team goes, so goes the company. What have you had your attention on with the leadership team in terms of driving us? Because again, a culture of winning is going to be infinitely easier to maintain than a culture of losing. It's much harder to keep morale up when your sales numbers are low every quarter. And, you know, resilience is a really important piece because we're not always going to win. No one is always going to win. And if you think you are, then, you know, just just hang out for a little longer and life's natural ebbs and flows. But what do you do to keep that leadership team cohesive and performing at a high level? I think it's not much different than what any manager would do and that I'd advocate inside the company. But at the highest level, it definitely, it, it starts with the context, right? It starts with why are we doing this? What is the mission? What are the core values? Uh, making sure that those are alive at the leadership team level, making sure that I'm listening to understand where are people having challenges? Where do they need support? Sometimes we can't fix things right away. We just hired an amazing VP of product management. We have uh, Holly Kennedy has been our our VP of product for for, uh, a period of time. And she realized that she was half of her role was clearly in her zone of genius. And it was getting not a lot of airtime because the other half of her role around the product management side, she was incredibly competent at it. But it was also not the area where she could add the most value that she was the most lit up about. And we realized we need to split those roles. And it took a long time to find the right person to do that. And so trying to support her when she's managing way too many direct reports and, and essentially holding two roles is one of those things that I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I have to make sure that I've got attention on that we're able to move toward the, the right outcome. And then also understand what are the interpersonal dynamics on the team? Are there any friction points? Are we moving together cohesively? Do we have people who are not only the right culture fit, Meaning, and for me, culture fit is more about that they're inspired by what we're up to and that they, the values are aligned with who they are in reality and aspirationally. But then there's also the skill side of it, right? Do we have the right leadership team in terms of the people on the team having the right skill sets to do what we need to do? And are there gaps? As we've grown so, so dramatically, like there's additional now gaps in the team where we have to hire additional leaders. And so making sure that when we do bring new, new people, into the team and new energy that they're, it's going to be additive and, and also uh, maintain that cohesiveness. So those are the things I think about. As we think about what are the universals, what can every company do to both reinforce, maybe you aren't going through hyper growth right now. Maybe you're more in maintenance mode and maybe you are, maybe you are doubling or tripling your headcount. What are the universal principles? Because I think that every organization, any organization that's healthy is going to look very different from other organizations. There's going to be a lot of distinctiveness because it's going to be an expression of the values of the individuals. And we all are different human beings. We're all, you know, beautiful little snowflakes. And a great culture is going to be an expression of those human beings. Yeah. So I think it comes down to making sure that regardless of whether you're in hyper growth now or will be in the future, you can never start too early at creating that strong center of gravity for the culture. 
So getting really clear on why the company exists, what the core values are, bringing those values alive, having strong cultural practices like our, our boosts and things like that, having a focus on creating high degrees of psychological safety and, and vulnerability in the team so that there's real interpersonal connection, right? And then, and then finding ways to have a, a phenomenal onboard a sourcing process that you're attracting the right people, that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're making sure that the, the people you're hiring are going to be a good fit. And it's really hard to hire the right people when you don't really know who you are as an organization. Sure. And that's why it's so critical to do that work to uncover what are the true values? What is our purpose? What is the culture that we actually want here? Because if you don't know those answers to those things, it's going to be like, all right, well, yeah, you look good and you got great skills. And then all of a sudden, it's just kind of all over the place. Right, exactly. And then the onboarding practice and all of those other, all of those other pieces. If you could give advice to somebody that is about to double and they have their, let's say they have their values, they have a good why, what would be the single most important thing that you think they could do to not only scale their culture, but ensure that their culture is stronger tomorrow than it is today? Make sure you have a chief culture officer on board. <laughs> that was probably one of the best moves we made in terms of your role. Uh, besides that, I think it really does come down to also having the right leadership team, making sure that you've got the right leaders in place before you start to do that, because you know there's so much that has to happen, right, in order to operationalize scaling at that at that level, and you need the right people making the right decisions because you're just not going to you're not going to be able to scale yourself fast enough, and you have to trust you have to trust that people are going to execute at the levels and standards that are important alongside the, you know, along with the values that you hold. Yeah. And I mean, I think that something we didn't even really touch on is, is the necessity of also knowing when somebody's not a good fit and having a good system in place to be monitoring performance, to be in that continual dialogue around are people actually performing, are people aligned with the values of the company, and then a system to Note if there's misalignment, have a conversation, and then if it continues in that direction of letting them go. You know, not being a nice culture. Like best self-management isn't about being nice to people. Best self-management is about caring about people, respecting them, and also holding incredibly high levels of performance. Thank you, David, for the engaging conversation. Thanks, Shane. Really excited. You know, I mean, it's always interesting, right? Because the crazy thing about business is there's always another mountain. We're 200 people-ish, and for a lot of organizations, I mean, it's something I think 0.4% of all companies get to, you know, 10 million in revenue or something like that. And then the numbers just keep going down in terms of scaling. And so I feel like, okay, we're, we've done some really cool things. The business is good. The market is blowing up right now. People are realizing that they need a people management solution. So if things keep going well, I'm really excited about the challenge of how do we scale from 200 to 500 and then 500 to 2000. And can we actually scale intimacy at that so that we can speak with credibility of saying, yes, you still can. <laughs> yes, yes. caring right. for your people pays off at all levels. We can reinvent the way that we do business on this planet where people actually leave a company better than they started it. Right. And you have an incredibly successful company as a result of doing that. 
A big thank you to our producer, Counter-Ray Creative, and our executive producer, David Misney, and Stacey Hurst, our guest coordinator. Please visit 15.5.com slash podcast. That's the number 15 and the word five. For more information on today's discussion, for additional resources and special offers. One of the easiest and highest leverage things you can do to support us in this podcast is write a review on Apple iTunes or Google Play. It really does go a long way in terms of getting the word out and more people can hear this message so that we can start a movement and truly get more and more businesses out there helping their people become their best selves. To get all the latest episodes, please subscribe to Best Self Management on iTunes or Google Play. And if you have a question or comment you'd like us to address in a future show, please email us at podcast at 15.5.com. And finally, thank you for listening to this podcast. Until next time, know that we support you in being and becoming your best self. 